0: Thank you for listening to the Potter's House Tri-Cities Podcast, located here in Pasco, Washington, where lives are still being changed for Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoy it. feels kind of tense in here. You guys want to do some jumping jacks? What if I told you I brought a de tamales? Would you guys loosen up? Yes. Alright, well I did it. So You guys can stay tense. <laughs> Matthew chapter 2 um, tonight. Matthew chapter 2, we're going to be in verse 13. I read this article out of um, the Seattle Times, which is just a um, New York Times little brother, um, with about 20 fidgeting first graders seated on the carpet in front of her. Kimball Elementary teacher Jacqueline Martinez took an informal poll Informal poll um, before reading time. She asked, are girls allowed to play with, play with Lego blocks? And can boys like the color purple? Both questions drew a unanimous thumbs up from her students, but their opinions were a bit more mixed when Martinez asked if dads could cook in the kitchen or if moms should mow the lawn. Some people think boys should only do some things and girls should only do other things. Uh, Martinez told the class over the past month, teachers in a dozen elementary schools in Seattle have piloted similar, similar lessons on gender and self-identity that are designed to fulfill new state standards on health education. Now, just want to make a quick comment before I continue with, uh, with the article. What's going on here is that there is a guideline, and there is uh, just a whole <clears throat> standard that's being released upon school districts, on teaching gender and health education. Can I just remind you guys, gender isn't that hard to, um, to identify. No. Again, all right, let's loosen let's, let's up tonight. Good the standards adopted last year require schools to teach students as young as kindergarten about the different ways to express their gender. While fifth graders learn about ways to respect for all people um, and how to identify a trusted adult to ask questions about gender identity, and sexual orientation. Respect is okay. That's good. Kids should be taught that. In Seattle Public Schools, a task force of parents and teachers spent about a year developing the lessons. and selecting the books for specific grades, they said Lisa Love, the district's health education manager. She said individual teachers and schools also have increasingly requested age-appropriate tools to help guide conversations with students about gender expression and gender roles, rather than say, good luck, find your own way. We felt the need, says this article, to show what can be consistently taught across the district In that aligned with the new state standards, Love said. People may mistakenly assume this conversation is about body parts and sex or something very mature and adult, she added, but it isn't at all. It's entirely about who a person feels that they are when they come to school. I want to repeat that statement at the end one more time because it is completely wrong and wicked. But it isn't at all. It's entirely about who a person feels they are when they come to school. That's never been the case when it came down to gender. and That's never been the case when it came down to sexual orientation. Now... I want to just throw in a disclaimer, you need to respect everybody, Amen. but somewhere, parent, Christian tonight, mom, dad, uncle, aunt, somewhere you're going to have to draw the line and say the school system isn't going to raise my children. Amen. So why are you saying that says, fool is the man who says I won't tell my children what to believe in. If you don't, someone else will. <coughs> Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, we're going to be in verse um, 13. We're going to read the scripture. This is part of this sermon series that we're going through the book of Matthew together as a church. And we're in chapter 2, verses 13 through 18. You can say amen when you're there. Amen. It says, Now when they departed, uh, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Verse 14 When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night, and departed for Egypt, and was there unto the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the LORD through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod uh, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise man, was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Verse 17. <coughs> then was fulfilled that what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, in Ramah, Lamentation, Weeping, and Great mourning, Rachel, Weeping for her children, refusing to be comf- comf- uh, comfort- comforted um, because they are no more. I want to preach a sermon that I've entitled uh, "Obedience Triggers Protection." Tonight, let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this place. God, help me, Father, minister this subject. God, God, I hide behind your cross, Father. I pray that you will bring that you will help me bring a very direct and specific message, God. God, especially to the adults in this place, God, that have influence and have some type of role to play in children's life, God, I pray that you will give them the revelation to understand that it is their words and their actions and that they are the ones that are responsible for the raising of children. We trust in you, God. We believe in you, Father. God, and I pray your Holy Spirit may be here with us, God. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And the people of God said tonight. Amen. Amen. I want to lay a foundation tonight with my first thought, and that is the value of children. And I want to speak about God's per- perspective on children and the devil's perspective on children. Children are the fruit of our decisions. Can I get one, one person to agree with me tonight. This is God's perspective here. Plan, children who are planned, children who are not planned, children who are bio- biological, children who are adopted. They are from God and can be used in many great ways in the kingdom of God. Yeah, regardless of their situation, regardless of your situation, God can restore what is broken and redeem what was lost. Some should have said, you know what, thank you Jesus for that. Because regardless of who you've been as a parent, regardless of who the children has been as sons and daughters, God can restore what is broken and redeem what What was lost? Matthew chapter 19, verse 14 and 15 says, But Jesus said, Let the children come to me, and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he he laid his hand on them, departed from there. In other words, he said, You know what? Let the children, don't stop the children from coming to me. He says heaven is for them. The kingdom of God is there. The kingdom of heaven is at their grasp and as they're at their hands because somewhere, church, I want to tell you that God has a plan for our children. Amen. This goes beyond just the children that you have, but the children of our church goes for the kids that we see running around in our church. The ones we stick in a corner every once in a while. <laughs> The ones we, we say, don't jump. Don't touch that. You just think in your mind the children that run around in our church. You have Jack, Brandon, Annalise. You have all these. Um, Leah, Nora, Kayla Lee, Belinda. And, and somewhere you begin to think, you know what? God has a plan for them. God has a plan for your children, Christian. Our children are the next generation. And somewhere as a church, we have to be able to understand that. There's a there's a very um, there's a saying that socialists like to use, and that is it takes a village to raise a child. Um, and what they say is <coughs> it takes everybody, and the, the government, and the school system, and it takes everybody. And listen, I do not agree um, with that specifically, but I do agree that a community in the house of God is a very good tool to raise your child. When you bring them around, you know when you bring your child around men of God and, and you bring your daughter around women of God and you, you expose them to, to people who actually have successful marriages, amen? amen. That you expose them to, to people who actually have good intentions and their heart is, is right and somewhere listen, this begins to help them. Amen. Our sons and daughters are who God will be using to further the reach of the gospel. We're speaking about future preachers. We're talking about future ushers, future song service leaders, evangelists, pastors, wives, and no, pillars, wives. and This is the plan that God has for them. And this is what God sees when he looks at your children. Amen. Mom, this is what God sees when he looks at your children. Dad, this is the plans that when God looks at your children, he's saying, I have a plan for them. Amen. But the devil. The devil sees them as a threat. And this is the perspective of the devil. In our scripture, we have a man called Herod, um, or Herod, is pronounced it, the king at that moment when Jesus was born. He realized that he was deceived by the wise men. And what he did, his reaction, was that he unleashed a full-blown attack against Jesus that affected everybody. He said that all the male children died. That all the little boys, and, and somewhere because of Jesus, that all the boys in that generation was affected. Can I tell you tonight that hell does not play fair? That he does, there's no such thing as following the rules when it comes down um, to an attack from hell tonight. But one thing I want to tell you is that somewhere you can trust that God will protect your life and your family's life. You have to understand that while you <laughs> love your children, and while the church loves your children, and while God loves your children, the devil doesn't. Okay. And there was a full-blown attack, just like in our scripture. He was deceived, and the Bible says that he was angry, and he unleashes this attack. I want to make a statement tonight. There is a spiritual attack against your children tonight against our children tonight in our church. And there's one specifically against boys. I'm reading a book called Point Man. Again, I'm just going to throw it out there. It's a great book. I encourage you guys to read it. Um, Recommended by Pastor William Mitchell. Like in chapter three or something. Um, It's called Point Man. And um, and one of the things that he was speaking about was that everybody has an opinion when it comes down to gun control. Right? Yeah. Everybody has something to say. They're like, oh, it needs to get banned. No, they don't need to get banned. Teachers need to have it. Teachers don't need to have it. And they have all these different perspectives, and they want to blame different people and blame different things about the problem, <coughs> uh, the problem that's going on with all the school shootings and all this stuff. But there was a man who tweeted this, and I forget his name, but he said the problem isn't guns. He says the problem is that there is an issue with our boys. He says there is an issue. We've been ignoring our boys and we've been ignoring manhood and fatherhood for many years and this is the result of what we what we have he says forget the guns save the boys Amen. and somewhere you need to understand that that you know what that that throughout the bible when a land was cursed you can see that engage that there were The men were lost, and when fathers were lost, and and the boys were lost, and this is what you see, Then this is what we're living, is that there was a whole um, attack released against our children. Which takes me to my second thought, and this is where I want to spend some time tonight. It is hell's attack on our children, and I want, my goal tonight, is to bring some type of exposure, some type of revelation to what this looks like. You know, the problem is that we as Christians or we as human beings, especially as American, um, we have believed a lie. We have allowed the government in Hollywood to raise our children. Don't believe me? You can track all the hours of tablet time kids get. You can begin to track all the things that they that begin to look at the things that they listen to and who they want to be. You ask them who's your hero, and, and it's always some type of controversial figure. It's not it's not the, the soldier or the firefighter or the or or, or the police officer because there is a, an attack against their minds. And if we allow hell to reach our children, we will have lawlessness. We will have rebellious children who will go against all morality. Does that sound familiar tonight? Says one of the signs of end times is that children will come against their parents. it's something that you constantly see throughout the news and constantly see throughout all these different uh, uh, avenues in social media. It's just rebellious. You know, one thing I don't like is people like to complain about our generation. It's all oh, those millennials, they, they know nothing. All they do is spend time on their phones and, and spend time on their, and, you know, and, and so, some of that could be, so, some of that is accurate. <laughs> it's, it's just be <laughs> real tonight. Um, it's not their fault, necessarily. Maybe you guys know the generation that we're seeing grow, um, growing up now is a product of the previous generation. Mm-hmm. Repeat that one more time. Because a lot, of, a lot of, I remember growing up, people had complaints about my generation. And somewhere you begin to think, you know what, I'm just a product of what my parents did. And somewhere i got to undo to do some things. So you can't completely blame children. It's kind of like a, a parent who's, who spanks a two-month-old. It doesn't, doesn't work. <laughs> it just doesn't. Why is there an attack? Because a human's life in the hands of God is a powerful thing. And throughout the Bible, you see this. Consider how many people in the Bible God used in powerful ways. They're all children at one point. And their parents were able to guide them. And if they didn't, somewhere God was able to reach into their lives. You can speak about Samson. Samson, his mother, was barren for many years. And somewhere God brings a miracle upon um, her life. And Samson is born um, out of just a miracle baby. And, and this, and they were able to raise him up. You can speak about uh, just um, Samuel's mother, if I can remember her name, I think it's Hannah, uh, just releases Samuel. For many years, Hannah was barren, And then whenever God blesses Hannah with a baby, um, Hannah makes a promise to God and says, if you'll bless my chi- my womb with a child, then I will release my child to you. And the Bible says that as soon as he weaned, uh, she weans him uh, off, then he's, she's able to bring Samuel to and leaves them at church, leaves them with the prophets, and he becomes a great man of God because somewhere she says, I am going to raise my child the way God wants me to. And this is what hell doesn't like. That parents can rise up and go against the system. That parents can rise up and say there are things that I'm not going to allow my children to do or allow my children to learn or allow my children to get involved in because they're children of God and they have a destiny and a promise. You know, so I was speaking to Jerry about this in morning prayer, just picking at his brain about about just parenting and, and, um, and just, just in general about the sermon. I was putting it together. And I mean, he made this comment, he said, you know what, one of the issues that I see in parents is that a lot of times, instead of explaining why not to do things, all they do is they tell them not to do it. No, don't do that. You know, at first, obviously, it, it kind of makes sense with their children, but as they get older, they encounter a little bit more uh, complex situations, maybe like, like, like sex and somewhere you begin to, you tell them, no, we don't do that. We, we, don't, we don't fornicate as Christians, but Why? No, somewhere they, they lack the explanation. They lack that's parenting, man. Yeah. Somewhere you teach children the ways of God. So I want to try to explain what does this attack look like tonight? What does this attack against uh, against children look like? In our scripture, there was a very specific physical attack. It was it was eliminate all the male children. Eliminate all the boys with the with the idea that in that census, if you will, or in that population of of of, of male children, Jesus was going to fall in there. But see, the the, the attack today is a little bit different. And again, my goal is to be able to bring some revelation. One one of the ways they attack our children um, is their identity in Christ. If they if the system can separate, if by system, I mean government school systems, school districts, whatever, um, Hollywood, whatever, it's all involved. If they can separate morality and God, then they can separate the values that human beings have. See, the problem that we have now is that people try to separate morality and God, and that just doesn't work. The reason why there is morality is because there is a standard that's above us, and that is God. Why is rape wrong? It's not because of some type of law, it's because somewhere as a human being you have a conscience and God gave you that. They try to eliminate that. Oh, you don't need God to be to be moral. You don't need God to be to be a good person. Well, yes, you do. And I understand that you can have good deeds and you can be a great person without God, but but your heart is evil, (laughs) just as evil as anybody else. And and if you don't believe me, just take a few seconds to think back of thoughts that you thought about people whenever they did you dirty. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, just, I'm, I'm gonna kill him. I'm gonna kill him. I'm gonna go get a gun somewhere and I'm gonna just. And all these different things that, that you begin to think, and, and, the, and the, the system, what they try to do, and, and the attack from hell is that they, if they can separate morality from God, then, then somewhere these children will grow up thinking, I don't need God, and they lose their identity in Christ. Killings, selfishness. Promiscuity and all of these different things. Listen, it's a, it's 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 an effect from children not understanding correct morals and morality in God. You know, one of the things you hear complaining, when people talk about is all the school shootings. Rightly so, we should be somewhere um, talking about it. It is an issue. But a wise man once said, "You remove Jesus from the hallways, what do you expect?" Another way they Another way this attack looks like, or another attribute this attack has is it begins to attack the God ordained sexuality of children. You know, it used to be simple. And I'm not gonna get into biology class tonight. But it used to be simple. Either you're a boy or a girl and you know exactly what it was. You just have to look down. Mm-hmm. Can I preach many yeah. <laughs> just, just wondering. <laughs> simple. We didn't need a school to teach our children about gender. We didn't need the the district to teach our children about sexuality. I remember growing up, going to sex ed class, and sex ed has has just become so twisted nowadays. Growing up, it was simply biology too. They just kind of reinforced things, and and they just told you about STDs, and they just told you all just kind of an an educational thing, but now they're, they're handing out condoms. Promoting, you know, safe sex and all this, that's that's not right. It's, It's promoting a very irresponsible way of living. And this is an attack that somewhere children grow up thinking this is okay. This is fine. This is the way everybody else is. Why can't I be like that? And you have your children coming back from school and debating with you at home. Am I right? Somewhere they're they're debating morality and and morals and and it's not enough just to say we're Christians. Somewhere you have to explain. You don't open the doors to sexuality too soon because somewhere your heart is going to be broken. Because you don't completely understand what life is yet. You have an issue filling out a scantron. And you want to go and be promiscuous. It's just not right. Mom's, my mom used to say, "You can't even wipe your." <laughs> and then you want to go in. You want to attack the God-ordained sexuality, the the the, the fact that somewhere you 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 knew that that uh, that this is the way it's made. That God made Adam and Eve for them for each other. Not you know the story, Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. You know, it's, it's, it's God made them, and somewhere. They, they, you, you work off of that and you can't do anything until you get married because you respected the woman. Somewhere fathers used to tell boys, listen, you're going to have to get a job and work for her love and not just not, not just um, go out with her and, and, uh, and just have relationships or intimacy. Somewhere you're going to have to work and show her you respect her. Amen. Another thing that, another way, another attribute of this attack is that they want to dictate the influence of children. They want to be able to tell them who they need to look up to. They want to tell them that it's okay to look up to people in Hollywood and and, um, oh, they're they're strong and they're courageous. Uh, A few years ago, I think it was um, um, Kardashian's father then, whatever his name is, the the Olympic swimmer or runner, not not swimmer. Bruce, Bruce. um, Woman of the Year. what? That, that should be just that should be offensive to you, woman because he doesn't do things that you do doesn't raise he's never raised a, a child specifically the way women do it doesn't go through the same pains and goes through the same um, things that you, that they do and listen it's not my, my, my intention is not to, to draw a political view by any means listen that's not what I'm trying to do. The line that I'm trying to draw tonight is that somewhere you have to say I will raise my child. I, di- I tell them who the influence is going to be. I tell them that the sexuality that God ordained. I tell them they have identity in Christ. And listen, if you don't, someone else will. Okay. As Christian parents, we must stand together to teach our kids, our children, about God and how to grow close to Him. And this involves not only you, parent, it involves your church. I want to steal that 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 saying about it takes a village to to uh, to raise a child. I want to steal it. It takes a church to raise a child. Amen. Amen. Right? It takes it, it takes a a group of, a parent who can bring your child along to church and show them what a real man of God does. That he wakes up Sundays and comes to the house of God because it is a priority. Amen. A father and a mother who can tell their children, this is how you tithe, that you steward your money right. You don't just go crazy and, and spend a bunch of money. And, you know, you're a good manager of it. That a father and a mother can teach a boy that, you know what, this is how you treat a woman. And, and a mother can teach a, a daughter, this is how you treat a man. Amen. Amen. The problem is that we've allowed the system to take, to tell them how to do those things. I want you open your Bibles to the Book of Proverbs, chapter twenty-two. I don't know about you tonight, but I don't want the school telling my kid what to do. I mean, there are certain things like guess I want my teacher, the teacher, to tell them, But I want the school to tell my boy that he's a girl. And somewhere you shouldn't be okay with that either. I mean, take take away all the all the political stuff that you can you can take away. Somewhere, listen. Don't don't you get mad? Wouldn't you get mad if somebody else smacked your child? <laughs> you know, in some way, you you've allowed this the school system to tell them what how they should be as 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 a man or a woman. Proverbs chapter twenty two verse six. You can say amen when you're there. What's that first word that says there? Train. Train. This isn't the choo-choo choo train. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Let me just give you a, a revelation that many people forget. Children are gullible. Children are gullible. They believe everything they're told. Amen? Amen? You tell them the sky is falling, they're running. And if you're not careful, you allow your gullible child to believe things that you don't believe. Then you ask yourself why you're... And then later on in life, you begin to look at yourself and, and you're so frustrated because of the way your child is. you have allowed it? Amen. But somewhere as Christians, as Christian parents and Christian adults, we must expose them to things of God. You know why I don't just speak to uh, the, um, um, parents here? Because somewhere, listen, as, as adults, we have some type of interaction with the children of this church. You know, we bring our children, we 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 take them to nursery and our in our in our and our nursery worker begins to work with them. We take them to Sunday school and our teacher begins to work with them. The, the Sunday school teacher begins to work with them. Listen, whatever part you have, you have to be able to you know pray for them, pray against this attack, and bring some type of Christian correction to them. We must expose them to the things of God. This is why we have our we have children. Uh, this is why we don't have necessarily a youth program because we want the youth to be exposed to the same stuff that the parents do. Amen. You know, we made a decision a few a few months ago as a ministry to not have all the kids in nursery, but that a certain age, what's the age one? I forget. Um, six, and uh, six and under is where they go into nursery. Six and up, I said, I want them to be in service. I want them to listen to the word of God the same way their parents do. I want them to physically see With their eyes. Dad and mom being convicted by the sermon. I want the children to physically see dad sitting down in a chair and being moved by the word of God. And he lifts his hands up and says, I am a sinner and I need Jesus. I want children to see that. I want the daughters of the church to be able to see the way women react to the word of God. And and, and, and begin to see how they play a part in a marriage which is super important. This is what we must expose them to, to our outreaches. There's a certain age group, and then after that, we put them out there, man. I don't care how many steps they take. I don't care if they're tired. Give them a water bottle. Let them see that we care about people. That we're going to go and preach the Word of God. Expose them to Christian media, Christian music. Listen, just because it has a Disney or a a TV PG doesn't mean it's necessarily okay for them. You have, to, you have to examine all your media. Oh, Pastor, but it's it's PG, it's parental, whatever. It's like, oh, well, listen, I've, I've seen some things that, with that rating, and, I, and I've questioned it. I said, that, that ain't right. I understood that joke. We must teach them why we do certain things as a Christian. rather than just saying we don't do that. I, I tell Brandon because Brandon doesn't like outreach. <laughs> <laughs> i tell him listen we do this because we care for people and because this is the labor for god that we do we do it for god mm-hmm. and he knows that he has we do it for god you know and somewhere even though he's tired you know and he doesn't completely understand it but when he grows up and he decides not to do outreach he begins somewhere in his mind in the back of his mind we did this for god mm-hmm. We must teach him train him says the bible Train them. If you have ever been part of any organized sports, you understand that training is repetitive. I remember in soccer. I I love soccer, and I love uh, I love playing the game of soccer. But some of some of the things that involved playing the game was just repetitive laps, continually, you know, working out. What is working out? You lift up, you know, twenty pounds or whatever on each side. You just one, two, three. You know, you're training. It's repetitive, and somewhere muscle memory begins to work. And then later on, your body just adapts to this. And that's the idea is that you train up your child. And he says, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. In other words, while he's step while he's walking in the in in life, and as he gets older, somewhere he's gonna make decisions and he will not forget the things that mama, the things that dad said to him. I remember, man, when I was then, When I was just out there just sinning and drinking and partying and all this stuff somewhere, I remember every time when I passed a few. The, the, just that, that one number you know whatever that number was that night of, of beer. Now my, I will pass it go into the drug state and I remember my mom and never felt. I remember my mom I remember my dad speak to me and somewhere listen that that began to just bother me and listen, I, I wasn't a successful sinner by the way I just wasn't <laughs> you know somewhere I was tormented every single day of my life and every time I got involved in things I remembered it that's that's the key right there. Is that they yes, they're gonna grow old, and yes, they'll make their own decisions, yes, they'll live their own life, but man, they won't be successful because somewhere you train them up, and they'll understand, they have identity, and they'll say, "This isn't what, what what my mom taught me. This isn't what my dad taught me." And when they'll go to school and they're given these plates of just a bunch of crap that the that the system gives, somewhere they begin to say, "That isn't what God says. That's just ain't for me." Because my mom taught me different. Because my dad taught me different. Because I was exposed to things and they began to see the evidence of Christ. Listen church, when I went to church, I began to see marriages being successful. And out that, that was evidence to me that marriages work. And that's the very same thing that your child is exposed to people who love men, who love their wife, not just beat them women who are actually submitted to their husbands and listen to them, not rebellious they begin to say this is the way it should work so you know as christians church we are called to find a way to beat the system in our scripture what we see is this full-blown attack And then the Bible says that, verse 13, Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. They obey that. And because they flee to Egypt and wait for the word of God, their child was protected. I want to close my third point. that is that there is a supernatural protection upon our children, but it comes through obedience. Somewhere as parents and as adults, we need to obey the Word of God. If you don't obey the Word of God, they won't. Why do I have to pray if my dad doesn't? Why do I have to go to church? Why do I have to outreach if 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 my mom never did? You know, Pastor Greg Mitchell, this is Pastor William Mitchell's son, he says he grew up, and and every day he will, he will see his mother read his Bible her, her Bible. She never preached. But somewhere in his mind, that just did something in his heart. And he said, I grew up, and I just knew that. A woman needs to read her Bible. And she needs to listen to God and obey. And, and this was the example shit that he had of his mom. What about you? Dad, what example have you given your children? Mom, what have you showed your children? Somewhere, listen, we can redeem that stuff. And God can help us restore some of those things. We just need to obey and beat the system. Amen. One day, a man, a man found an odd-looking lamp and rubbed it. From inside came a genie that told him that he will get three wishes. But whatever he wishes for, his mother-in-law gets double what he gets. <laughs> <laughs> what, would like for, what would you like first, asked the genie. The man says, I want one billion dollars. He says, remember, says the genie, your mother-in-law gets double of what you get. He goes, I know. The man then chooses his second wish. I wish I had a brand new sports car. So he gets his second wish, and he's very content with it. Your mother-in-law says the genie gets double what you get. Now, what would you like for your third wish? The man ponders for a moment, then he answers, I wish to be beaten half to death. <laughs> Come on, you guys are saying, you think it's simple math. Come on. <laughs> Preacher, what does this have to do with children? <laughs> this man, this man, we can all agree is very clever. And he learned how to beat the system. Parent tonight, listen. Just because you're Christian doesn't mean you're dumb. We need to learn how to beat the system the world has. The plans that they have to indoctrinate us and indoctrinate our children. And in our scripture, there is a strategy against Jesus Christ. And right now, if you open your Bibles to the book of Exodus chapter 2, we're going to read another attack against another boy, a very famous boy in the Bible. And somewhere we need to be able to learn how to beat the system's Mother, you need to learn how to raise children to preserve them for the will of God. We can beat the system if we're smart enough. If you're clever enough and if you obey God and show your children the ways of God, you can beat the system. Exodus chapter two. I close with this verse one. You can say Amen when you're there. It says, "And a man of the house of Levi went and took as as wife a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when the and when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. Um, but when she could no longer hide him, uh, she took an ark of bulrushes or bulrushes for him, um, daubed them daubed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank." Verse 4, and his sister stood afar off to know what could be done to him, what would be done to him. Verse 5, and the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and her maidens walked along the riverside, and when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the the Hebrew's children, then the sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, "Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for you? Verse 8, And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the maiden went and called who? I'm going to you think about that. I'm going to explain you it. the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away, nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses, saying, "Because I drew him out of water." There was an attack against baby boys at that moment, also. So what happens is that she has a child, Moses, and she says, "Man, this—he's beautiful. i want to keep him." And then somewhere this attack, and she knew what was gonna to happen to him. So to preserve him, what he does is she sends him down the river, builds a little thing. and If you've seen the movie, pretty accurate. Builds something and throws him—not throws him, but ships him down um, the river. <laughs> ships him down the river. Just so that his sister can be down the river to pick him up and say, Oh wow, check this out. <laughs> and brings the Pharaoh's daughter, and the Pharaoh's daughter shows up and like, whoa oh, it's beautiful. And then she and the sister goes, Yeah, it looks Hebrew. You want me to get somebody that says Hebrew to, to nurse him? To nurse him? And he's like, Yeah. So sister goes and gets mom and gets Moses' mother. To raise her child. And because of this cunningness and cleverness, Moses is preserved. Becomes, well, the mother raises him and has this, this, these, uh, uh, has this, this, uh, there's this life in the, in, in Egypt and becomes somebody very famous and you know the story and all the things that he accomplished and this simply comes out of the cleverness of his mom. Just because you're Christian doesn't mean you're dumb. You can raise your children. You can tell your children what to believe. And if you'll be clever and obey God, go against everything that this world has to offer and raise your children the way God wants to, listen, your child can be preserved. Can God speak to you, Mom? Dad, can God speak to you about your children? about uncles and aunts? Can God speak to you about your nephews? Can God speak to you about the next generation nursery worker? Can God use you to shelter the next generation? You have Moses' mother that uses aunt to save Moses. What about you tonight? Not only are children a fruit of our decisions, but regardless of how they came, into our lives, they are a blessing from God, Amen. planned, unplanned, biological, adopted, somewhere. God gave them to us for the very same reason I, I've been, during Mother's Day, I usually play this country song that I um, that I like from Garth Brooks, and uh, it's a, a tribute to his mother, and he says this, he says, he says that, he talks about his mom, and he says, God gave me um, God gave me to you so that you can send me right back to Him. It's your job, Mom. Dad, that's your job. The children that you have, your job is to send them back right back to Him. And if you won't obey God, it won't happen. If you won't tell your children what to believe in, someone else will. I get every head out and every eye closed. You've just listened to the Potter's House Tri-Cities podcast located here in Pasco, Washington. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you come back for more.